In the tenth chapter of Luke, we have the account of the Lord Jesus sending out 70 disciples to preach, sent them two by two to go into the cities he himself would come to, to preach. He told them not to make preparations for their keep, nor to take extra things with them, but to expect God to provide for them. And he told them to heal the sick and to preach the gospel. And in every way, he gave them a challenge to take the good news he'd given them to the world. And I read in verse 17 of Luke 10 what they said when they came back. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now there's some clear instructions helping us put first things first. We have to establish priorities. If you're going to school, you must decide, what will I study? If you're going to apply for a job, you have to decide, where will I apply? What job do I want? What shift will I take? What will I expect to do? How much money will I get at the job? All these things we think about, we establish priorities. Make up our mind is, which is the most important? To lay in bed and not have the money? Or to get up and go to work and have the money? And after a while, our appetite becomes very keen and we soon learn the lesson. It's time to get up and go to work. These are homely illustrations, but it shows us that we we have to do this all the time. We have to decide. What do we want? Which is the way to take? What shall we do? We should thank God every time we think about it that the Lord has been so good and so gracious and that God has provided for us in such a marvelous way and it's good for us to remember this is all of God's goodness and God's grace that is supplied and not of our doing. I think this teaches us that we shouldn't spend a lot of time seeking for great demonstration and great power that we might make them seen or be seen of men. This tells us it's more important to rejoice and praise God for salvation, for the fact that our names are in heaven. That's more important than having great demonstration of great power. This is something we all know if we listen to that still small voice inside. When people push to try to get ahead of someone, they know better than that. In the world or in school or in church or wherever it is, when someone tries to shove someone else aside and inch their way ahead. There's something underneath there that says, this is not the way to do it. This is not the right right way to do it. And as far as that's concerned, there's something in us that brings us to know what the gospel is also. In Titus we read that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us, teaching us some detailed things here, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
When we think that the grace of God that's appeared to all men, we might uh, wonder how that could be. If people haven't yet heard the gospel preached, then we might ask, how could the grace of God have enlightened them to help them to know what they ought to know? They don't know the details we know, but they have heard from heaven enough in their own innermost being to know that they should not desire evil things. They should not be selfish and mean and unruly. They should not be covetous and, and all, all of that. And they should not lust after evil things. But that same something in them tells them that there is a God somewhere, Amen. that there's a relationship they should have with God, yeah. and that they should come to know Him. The heathens know this. So they have their gods. They worship the sun, the moon, the trees, the crocodiles. What have you? They find something and then they make that their object of worship and they pray to that, that God. Because underneath it all there, they, they have some light. Something tells them. Something tells them they need help yeah. from outside. And really, what they need is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that came into the world to save sinners. But before they even have heard all of this, they have some laws in their society. They have some rules and regulations. Somebody is the chief. Somebody says what's right and what's wrong. Somebody judges between them. This is struggling toward it, but to come to it is to come to the light of Jesus Christ and to know Him in the forgiveness of our sins. This is all possible through the free grace of God. The grace of God is the free merit that we haven't earned, but that God showers upon us. Favors, favors, privileges, opportunities that God gives us. This is grace because we haven't earned it, haven't worked for it, we can't obtain it by ourselves. It has to be a gift, God's gift. So this is God's grace making all of this possible. And Titus tells us that the grace of God that brings the salvation hath appeared to all men. Then he goes ahead to teach them the general principles of what they're taught. And then earlier in the chapter, he gives them some specific details as to what people can do in order to be able to really have the grace of God and to be able to come into the right relationship with God and to live there and to enjoy the blessings God wants to give them. He tells them how to act older people and younger people, husbands and wives, boys and girls. He gives them all detailed instructions and says, these things do. These things do, and they will be a means by which we will have the favor of God and can enjoy the mercy of God, can receive the free grace of God. But without it, we wouldn't be able to even partake of the free grace of God's mercy and God's God's great salvation. When he says the aged man should be sober, grave, and temperate. Now, how can an old man who is not sober, he's always foolish and ridiculous and doing something he ought not to do and, and disorganized and, and no sense about him. It doesn't mean dr- drunk with wine necessarily. It means he should be sensible and reasonable and yeah. grown up and act his age. He should be temperate, means moderate in things, and not be extreme and, and all of that. How could an old man that was not? He should be sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. If he weren't, how could he expect the free grace of God? 
and the love of God to follow him. Right. How could he expect to get down and pray when he knows he isn't doing what he ought to be doing? He could not. No. He'd find a barrier before him. But if the old man qualifies by being sensible and reasonable and acting his age and knowing what he should do, and all old men know this, yes. even those who haven't been taught from the second chapter of Titus, they know enough to know that they're not young sprouts anymore. They shouldn't be foolish in trying things the young fellows do. They should act their age. And if they do, then they can expect God to help them. Amen. Even when they're feeble. Get around with a cane. When they can't see too well. When they can't remember some of the things happened before. If they've lived lives that have been pleasing to God, then they can fall back upon the free grace of Amen. God. They'll remember that the Bible says that sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And they may, they may have seen enough evil already in their lives, but out at the end of their lives there, they can remember that they have worked for God, served God, been faithful through their youth, through their middle age, and rearing their families, and now they have bought unto themselves a good degree in that they have fought a good fight until now, and they can have confidence that God who brought them thus far will take them all the way through. Amen. But how would he claim the promise of God unless he behaved himself and did the right thing? Yeah. He couldn't. If he tried to live a life of licentiousness or devilry or, or trouble or anything of the kind, being mischievous and all that, when he should be sensible, of course he couldn't. But the old man is told here that he can get the grace of God and keep the grace of God, have God's favor and retain it if he does what we say, what, what the word says here. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. They have learned a few things and should be able now to teach them, pass them on. Yes. That will be a joy to them. That will be one of the privileges they have in serving the Lord. It will be a high privilege of theirs to thank God for years that they have served the Lord and have been faithful to, to God's call and God's promises and God's truth. Then they're able to say, I've been there, so listen to me, young women, as I teach you what I have learned. Let me tell you, it'll be well with you if you will let the free grace of God abound in your heart. Amen. Walk in the light, walk in the free grace of God, and the older women have a blessed privilege then in being able to pass on to the younger people these very things. He goes ahead and tells them what? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. What's wrong with the older women telling the younger ones that they should be discreet? That means discern, being able to tell, understand something, being able to, to tell the difference between what's right and what's wrong, what's worth something and what's worthless. Yes, discreet and chaste, that means pure and holy. Not be licentious and devilish, nor going with the way the world goes. No, the older women have earned their right, if they've been faithful to them themselves, to let the younger people know that it's, it will bring the blessing of God upon them, upon their families, upon their neighborhood, upon their church, if they teach the younger women to be discreet and to be chaste and to be righteous and doing the things that they ought to do. And young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Now, everybody's told they should be sober. All through all of this, the old men, the older women, are to teach the young women to be sober, it says. And the young men also, that means sensible and think, think for a change. Think, what's, what's it going to cost you if you go and dabble in sin? Doesn't the word tell you that be sure your sins will find you out? 
We should know that from the time we are children. And young men, remember, you should be sober-minded enough to know that be sure your sins will find you out. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. If we sow to the Spirit, we will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. These are principles in the Bible. So young men, take this seriously. God's Word says it. And you can claim the grace of God. You can claim God's protection on the job. You can pray in the morning before you go to work. God, keep me from evil. Let your hand be over me now. Watch out for me and protect me. Guide me in every step that I take. Let, me, let my steps be ordered of the Lord. And uh, you can know the Bible says that, that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Amen. What if we aren't good? What if we don't do the right thing? Then we can't pray that prayer. It's a mockery. If we expect God to hear our prayers, we must qualify to exercise faith in God. God's promise is there, but you can't believe God's promises until you have really walked the line, done the thing necessary to be able to say, God, you don't know how I've walked. You know my life. You know what I did last night and yesterday and last week and last month. And by your help and grace, God, I've done right so far, and I'm going to keep on doing the same thing. God will know. God will hear you, hear your cry, and he knows your heart. And if you're on that kind of a ground, you can believe that God will help you and God will be with you this very day. Yes, it's all here. It's all taught. And these are very detailed teachings, all right. But they're there for a purpose, that they might teach us to walk in the light, that we might be able to claim the merits of Jesus' shed blood, which means all of the free grace of God Every provision God made for the whole human family, it's in Jesus Christ, and it's all of God's grace to give it to us. In the morning, when you wake up, you should thank God for a chance that you have to get up and do something. You heard uh, Esther testify that night. It was not a hard uh, uh, role for her to get up in the morning and go to work because she anticipated the privilege of working for God in the church office downtown. If we wake up in the morning and we are... Uh, reasonably healthy, we should thank God for that. Thank God that we aren't suffering pain. Say, our bodies belong to the Lord. We have given ourselves, our, our hearts, our minds, our bodies to the Lord. We have a right to believe the Lord who has redeemed us is interested in our welfare, Amen. even in our comfort, in our health, in our well-being. And if we rejoice in that and thank God for it, we can praise the Lord for the victory we have. We can have a warm feeling going out of us just because we have the grace of God. And you can rejoice in that and thank God for it, and you should. Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. Don't rejoice just because you have great power to put on some show, nor power to perform miracles. Well, that, that's a part of the gospel, all right. There's a gospel has miracles, and where a miracle is needed, one will be forthcoming. But, but we're not to rejoice because of that, because if we did, we'd get exalted in ourselves. We'd think we were some great one or we had some great power. When it's all said and done, all that's done is what God does. Yeah. Yeah. All that comes to pass is of the free grace of God. Right. After we've done all we can, we're still unprofitable servants. Nothing to us yet, but let's just praise the Lord for the chance we have to sing the songs of redemption and to praise God that we have found light and salvation in Jesus Christ the Lord. What a, what a wonderful thing. In Titus, on further down, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for, listen to this, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
If you haven't thought about it, try doing it tomorrow morning. When you get up in the morning, think about the fact that this is a day that the Lord hath made. Say, this is a day the Lord hath made. If the sun shines or if the clouds are overhead. If the rain comes down or if it's warm or cool. If the wind blows or doesn't. This is a day that the Lord has made. Then remember, as you'll say also, we'll rejoice in it and be glad. If we do this, God will bless us for doing it. Whatever effort you put forth to serve the Lord, God will see in honor. And it'll work. And it isn't a matter of mind over matter. It's a matter of simply obeying the Bible. Just rejoice in that day and say, this is a day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice in it and be glad. And if you say that, you'll have a lot better chance to rejoice through that day and to be glad and to look and see what God has done. You believe that helps? Someone brings you bad news. They bring you a little piece of bad news and and you feel heavy. You wilt down a little bit. You you wonder, oh, uh, can I I hear any more bad news and, and stand it? So what you hear has a bearing upon how you're going to feel then. Someone says something kind of unkind to you or something, someone disappoints you, then you have a certain reaction to it and you feel a little bit, little bit be, uh, worn down because of all of that, then why won't good news lift you? Yes. So then read from the book the good news. Amen. What God has said. Amen. What God has promised. Amen. What is tomorrow? Tomorrow, if it comes, is a day that we can look for God's blessing to continue Amen. and for His blessings to be as they have before and to be even more and more if we believe His promise. When the Lord told his disciples that greater things than these shall ye do because I go to the Father. He'd perform miracles, but he left a good reason for them to believe that miracles would attend their ministry too. And it's fact. It's in the Bible that the preaching of the word of God is to bring forth miracles. Lives to be transformed. Broken bodies to be straightened out again and lined up in harmony with what God meant them to be. Diseases healed. The powers of hell broken from all people's lives. Those who are possessed by devils of doubt and unbelief and all kinds of demons, they are to have the victory if we just preach God's word and then believe it. And we have to believe it. If we don't, the word that's preached brings forth judgment. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. You can learn a lesson from the Bible so well and know it in your head so perfectly that that same lesson will stand in judgment against you unless you apply it to your own life. The very fact that you know what you ought to do and then don't do it brings the judgment. But if you know what to do and then do it, then you can expect God to send you His free grace to avail for you no matter what the day, no matter what the problem, no matter what you have to face. God's grace is sufficient. Sufficient unto the day of the evil thereof, all right, and it's Bible. But nevertheless, we have a hope that the Lord and a promise of the Lord will be with us. When he went away, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He said, If I go away, I'll send the Comforter. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Then in the morning, we should pray that God will help us to let the Holy Spirit guide us through the day. Guide us. Guide us as to what we should think about. What we should read, where we should, what we should look at, where we should be, who we should be with, and all of that. And guide us to those souls that would like to hear some good news for a change. And then pray God will help us to have words of inspiration, words of hope, 
words of, of some kind that will cause some soul to look up and to see that there's redemption even for them. Yes, we've been redeemed. Our bodies belong to the Lord. Our lives, our talents belong to the Lord. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. Our ability to make a living, that's a God-given blessing we have. The job you have, it, it's God, a privilege God's given you to have the job, to support your family, to take care of the details that you must take care of paying for. That's all in God's plan for you. Then thank God for that. And remember, all of this is but the free grace of God. You heard the... Uh, sister testify about her sister who's had so many sad experiences just, just because of her frailty and her incapacity to think and to learn as some other people have. Well, she, she's had the blessing of God and God's Amen. blessing came upon her at camp meeting time in such a wonderful way just because she believes it and takes God's word and it, and it proves over and over again that, them, that those who are the, the most humble and the most trusting are the ones who get the blessing from God. Have you noticed in the Bible that Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And yet we, are, we try so hard not to be like little children. We try so hard to, to think things through for ourselves, and to reason it out, and to try to figure it out. And many times, the more learning we have, and sometimes the more, more uh, age we have on us, the more likely we are to, to bank on our experience and what we've done before. God help us to be like the little children. They just believe what God says, and God's, God's book says it. That settles it. They even believe you. They believe you're their parents. They believe their brothers and sisters until after a while they are disappointed and ruined in, in believing it because of so many disappointments. Why not ask God to cause us to become like little children, that we may just take of the grace of God? When the little child believes his mother or father will give him something he's asked for, he doesn't know how, he doesn't know wh when, he doesn't know where, he doesn't know how much it costs, he doesn't know anything about how much more there is. He, 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 wouldn't, he just asked, let, let me have it. Let, let me have this. He doesn't uh, figure it all out. No. How could he? If he asked you for, for a nickel, he doesn't know how many nickels you have. He doesn't know how many it takes to make a dollar. He doesn't know how, many, how much a bank account you have, how to write a check. Anything about balancing a check? But no, he just says he'd like to have the nickel. And he just trusts you to give it to him. And he looks at you with that winsome smile to let you know that I trust you and I believe you and I know you're going to do it. And you'd, you'd be a hard-hearted indeed not to let him have it, at least occasionally, to warm his heart. God loves us more than we can love our children right. or our grandchildren. God's concerned about us more than that. Can't we look to him and say, I know you will, God. I know you will. I, I don't worry about the storehouse, nor how much you have, nor how much it'll cost, nor how hard it is for God to do it. No, Daddy can do anything, little boys say. Well, we could also, should also believe that God can do anything because the Bible tells us that. Amen. If we're His children, then we should trust Him and believe His promise. The grace of God's not limited. God's power is not short, uh, has not run out yet. God's arm is not shortened, and he cannot save. His ear isn't stopped. He can still hear. He still hears and answers prayer. Amen. But we must come into the light where the Lord can answer our prayer. Amen. That's what repentance does. Repentance causes people to come around to the point where they can finally believe God. Yes. How could they? If they're a robber or a liar or a thief or, or something along that line, and they've been doing it over and over again, and that, that's their besetting sin, and they seem to keep at it all the time. How could they say, God, help me to live righteously and godly, soberly in this world, unless they first said, this is enough. 
I've got all I want. I don't want any more of this. I'm through with the whole thing. I'm going to quit it and turn my back up on it. Help me, God. Amen. That's what repentance is. And unless a person comes that way, they can't believe God's merciful. They can't believe God's promise. But if they come repenting, then they can. Amen. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, then you'll have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse you from all sin. Amen. But the trouble is you must walk in the light. You must listen when that little monitor inside tells you what it is. That little something that says, this is the way, walk you in it. Amen. That little check that comes along and says, you ought to do this and you ought not to do that. Yes. Even if someone is looking or someone isn't looking. If people are going to know or if they're not going to know, that little monitor there tells you, this is the way, walk you in it. Then follow that. Amen. Humbly ask the Lord to give you grace to do it. And as you do, the Lord will flood your soul with joy because you please the Lord. A little child is so happy when the parents are pleased with it. He, he's just so happy. He, he, he did something right. Before, he's been chastised because he, he was wrong, and he, he always thinks, I, I can't do anything. But after a while, he does something right. Then he just feels so good. He's so proud of himself. We should rejoice, too, yeah. when we please the Lord. God's yeah. pleased with us if we do right. But the Lord looks on us with pity when we do wrong and draws us back to the place where we can line our life again Amen. to the Word of God. Why not? Why not accept of the free grace of God tonight? Amen. And remember that the grace of God that brings us salvation Amen. hath appeared unto all men. And certainly he's appeared to us, hasn't he? Amen. If he has to all men, haven't we heard how to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world? Amen. Haven't we been taught that this will come to pass now and not tomorrow? It isn't for the hour before we die. No, in this present world, we are to live that way. Amen. And if we live that way, we can die that way. Yes. Because living goes on and on and on until the day we die and we die the same way we were living the day we died. And most of the time, people live the same way they've been living, uh, die the same way they've been living for many, many days before. Not very many. At the very hour and article of death, turn to God and repent. Some do, but the majority of them go on out as they lived. That being the case then, let's be sure that we follow the Lord. Amen. Say, the Lord's given us the way. God helped us this far. God's brought us this far. And we're going to praise God for the free grace of God. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because you're alive and are God's emissaries, missionaries, to tell someone of the goodness of God. Amen. Thank God for it. We're going to close now. We'll have a season of prayer again. We pray here at this church. Some of you are visiting here tonight and aren't acquainted with our ways, but we invite you to pray with us if you'd like. We kneel on our knees around these altars and our kneel on our knees at the chair wherever we can. And those who don't care uh, to pray at the moment are free to go, of course, and no embarrassment there. But we want to encourage you, if you feel like praying, to pray. And that's let the Lord answer from heaven and give you that something in your own soul that you can know that your prayer has gone through. Yes. You know today what your need is. You know where you stand before God. You know what, what's the next step, what the next prayer should be, what ground you should cover as you pray and consecrate again. You know where you are, so ask the Lord now just to help you to take hold of that and go on from there. Pray the prayer tonight and say, it's all of God. I can't do it, and anything I can do is very puny, but God, I know you have the grace, you have the sufficiency, you are able, and if you can trust the Lord and believe his promise, God will hear and answer your prayer tonight. We're going to stand and sing 161, and the order is open for prayer.